0: Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week a guest speaker is going to bring a special message for the church. Here is this week's special message. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, that you have given us so much in your word uh, to mold our lives, to build our character for the kingdom of heaven. And this morning, Lord, I pray that you would use Cal's preparation and Cal's uh, meditations on your presence uh, to speak your life and your truth to us Lord to draw us closer to you that we would reflect your image everywhere we go in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. amen. Good morning. How are you today? Everybody enjoying the cooler weather or uh, do people want summer to continue? Probably a, probably a little bit of both huh? The, the colors are beautiful aren't they? I love the colors in the fall. They're just just so beautiful. Yeah, it's getting autumn, Indian summer. So before we start with Galatians 5, <clears throat> Kindness and Goodness Day, I just have a, this kind of a personal thing. So I felt like I was a little bit not in the solemnity of the moment at Pete's funeral. And so I just wanted to apologize for that. It's, I mean, obviously Pete's in a much better place, and so it can be a joyous occasion for us as well. So this is also true, but, but I, I don't think I, I was in the solemnity of the moment um, as much there consistently through the ceremony. So if that was something that concerned you or whatever, my apologies. Um, so that's uh, my focus going forward. So I think it, I didn't really respect where other people were at and kind of the need for the community to kind of grieve together. So just wanted to put that out there. So we're gonna talk today about Galatians 5, kindness and goodness. And uh, so we're, we're going through the scriptures. This, this scripture is, of course, a whirlwind tour of the fruit of the Spirit. So if you want to put that up there, if you have that, uh, that would be awesome. So Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we're going to focus today on the kindness and the goodness. So I took a little look at, uh, took a, took a look at the dictionary and said, okay, what, how do we define kindness? And uh, the dictionary basically said a kind act or a favor. All right, so we, we get that. I mean, we understand how if someone does you a favor, if, if someone does something for you they don't have to do, that that's a kindness, that's a good thing, that's an awesome thing. Or we do that as well to other people. Um, and, and a favor. So there's really nothing we're receiving back except maybe general love and care and, and all those things. So that's, re- that's really good. Then it also said it's a friendly feeling or liking. And I don't know, I thought that was a little bit thin maybe for, for kindness, right? I mean, liking or caring for someone, that's kind of separate from you know, what kindness is. But for me, kindness is more an action that we take. That's a kind thing. That's a helpful thing. That's a good thing. And the thing that comes to mind for me on, uh, on this is I was listening this week to, uh, or actually reading something, and, and I, I saw something by Brian Simmons, right, who did a recent kind of translation or paraphrase of the Bible, kind of the Passion Translation. I don't know if you've heard about that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, he, he's, he's a man of, you know, he's basically been to heaven, the Lord has showed him things, and so he has a lot of insight into kind of the Passion of God and the care of God for us, and he said... He told a story, he said, he said little lambs are, are really, really incredible. So if a little lamb is born to its mom and the mom rejects it, okay, and, and there, I guess there are any number of reasons why a mom will reject it, and part of it is, could be if it's malformed, if there's something wrong with it, the mom kind of senses that and so she won't feed it, she will reject it. And actually I watched some videos last night, some YouTubes, and the mom will headbutt it away, Right, refuse to let it nurse, you know, and, and even do some more things than that, and when that little lamb is rejected that way, um, Brian says it hangs its head in such a way that it almost looks like like something is wrong with it, not just whatever the mom sense, but it's, it hangs its head that it almost looks like there's a problem with the neck, and so the rejection, the dejection, you know, the, 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 the um, the absolute, you know, being being undermined at the core of its value, right, is just absolutely impacting that lamb at that point, because the mom has rejected it. and And the lamb knows, you know, kind of instinctively, it's not going to get nourishment, it's not going to get sustenance, so it is not good. This is not a good scene. And he said, this is where you know, the, the good shepherd comes in and basically tries to get the mom to reattach. And there's different ways you can do that. You you if, if it's if it's accepting the other twin, then you then I've seen some of them, they'll they'll rub with gloves or cloth, they'll rub them both together so the mom sense, you know smells her own scent on both of them, and the mom may then turn and and, and accept it. And also it's like the, the shepherd sometimes put them in these, these kind of pens where they can't see their lamb. Their, their neck is through and they can eat and feed, but they're kind of held there. And it's like the lamb can be back here and can nurse without them smelling it. So there are different things that the shepherd can do. But if all else fails, of course, then the ultimate kindness comes in where the shepherd takes the lamb into the house and bottle feeds him. Right? So bottle feeds them, And so, you know, their kids may love this, right? But it's, it's a lot of work. Right? This is like taking care of a baby. Right? And so, so the ultimate kindness where the shepherd takes, takes the lamb in and loves on them and cares for them and, and feeds them and nourishes them and so they're able then to go out and rejoin the herd you know, when they're able to fend for themselves. And so what an incredible, incredible, powerful act of kindness you know, is being done to step in for the mom that's rejected, the little one, And to become the mother to that little lamb so that little lamb can grow and nourish and flourish going forward and so what an incredible picture what an incredible picture and of course jesus calls us us little sheep right so we're the sheep you know we flock together and uh you know sometimes we're a little dumb is when we all flock together in in situations especially when we're we're following the old sinful nature and we don't understand god's grace and we're not able to step into God's grace and his presence. You know, as, as a group, we tend to be pretty, pretty foolish in ways. And also there are those of us that are this little lamb that are rejected. And of course, God steps in for all of us in this way. And in whatever ways that we're rejected and denied, his kindness comes in and loves us and blesses us through others and, and just by his direct you know, supernatural conversation with us, his direct caring and loving and blessing of us. So it's awesome. And then I wanted to talk about, of course, one of, the, one of the huge stories of kindness in the Old Testament, which is the story of Ruth. And how many folks know kind of the story of Ruth? Show of hands. Okay, most folks kind of have a, have a sense of it. So we'll go over it here today. So basically this was, a, was an uh, uh, Israelite man and his woman who basically went to a foreign country because there was famine in the land. And there's a whole book. Call Ruth on this. So if you haven't looked looked it over, it's really moving and touching. So read it over this afternoon, right? Um, maybe get the Bible to read it to you and just sit and listen to it, right? Or read it either way, because it's just it's so moving and it's so it's so poignant. Ruth is so poignant, and it's just such a beautiful place. So basically, what happened is that. Is that is that um, the, this man and this wife went over to Naomi and her husband went over to this foreign land because there was famine and they were there for a long time. In fact, their two sons married. I think they were Moabites, so they would be kind of foreign. They were pagans to Israel, but they lived close, so they were kind of they were somewhat familiar. And so they were there for a long time. The two sons got married, and things seemed to be going well because, as we'll see in the story the two daughters-in-law really attached to Naomi. They really loved her, they cared for her. So what happened over time is that the husband died and then the two sons died. And so now you have Naomi alone in a foreign land with her two daughters-in-law. And so now, now the question is, what, where do we go from here? What's gonna happen to us? This is, this is a big issue. Where's provision coming from? Where's, where's our protection? Where's our protection from men? Because obviously back then it was much more significant because, you know, uh, you know women were much more vulnerable you know, without you know, weapons at a distance, frankly. Guns and things where you can control and protect yourself if there's no man in a more barbarous society. Things were more brutal back then. They just were. That's how it was, right? So what's going to happen for protection? What's going to happen for food? What's going to happen for all the things that need to happen? What about continuing the family? All these questions start to come up. And so Naomi basically says, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go back to Israel because my family is back there. And she invites her her two daughters-in-law to go. And so they began with her. And at one point... They they stop, and Naomi says, because she now wants to give them their freedom. She wants to give them their, their opportunity. She wants to let them be be you know, she wants to let them find who they want to become and who they need to be. And so, one verse eight. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So she's, she's doing the generous thing and saying, you know, if, you know, if this is your heart, go back and find another husband. It's like, I'm not going to hold you to the vows that you made. I'm, I'm being, I, I want to give you your freedom. I want to give you, you, you the best life that, that you want to have. It's very generous, very kind, very awesome. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. But what what occurs here is, is really interesting. And so, this happened a couple of times. She, she encouraged them to go, because at first I think they refused, if I recall right. And then she, she did it again, because she wanted, wanted to be sure. She wanted to continue to, to say, you need to find out who you are. You need you need to you need to become who you need to be, and I want you to have that opportunity. I want you to have a husband. I want you to have. I'm old. I'm not going to have another. I'm not going to have more sons. And, and would you wait anyway, for for my sons? Even even if I got another husband today, and I had sons, they would still need to grow up. Are you going to wait for that? And so. And so she was showing the kindness of loving them in a way of letting them become who they wanted to be, giving them that option. And that's a powerful thing, because she's all by herself now, but she does have you know, kind of the security of going back towards her family, her kin, back in Israel. But Ruth had a really interesting thing. So do you have the next one, Scripture? Hopefully I got it right. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed one here. Anyway, I'll put it in. So, so Ruth basically says to her, wherever you go, you know, the other daughter-in-law went back. But Ruth basically said, wherever you go, I'm going to go. I want to stay with you. So she had seen such, such character in her mother-in-law that she wanted to stay with her. She had seen probably such power in the Lord in these situations that she wanted to stay close to the Lord. And that was her, that was her connection. That was how, and so she wanted to give her life and care for her mother-in-law and also probably come back to the God of Israel. And so this is a powerful thing. She has a turning point here. She can go back to the old and familiar, her family, or, or she can say, you know, God is with Naomi and I want to move forward. I want to go forward with that. I want to go forward with where God is at. I want to go with Naomi because I sense in her a connection with the Most High. I sense in her great things that are needed. And so this is a really, really powerful kindness. You know, here's this, this old lady who basically needs someone to care for her, right, even to probably get her back into Israel. And so That's what happened, is that that Ruth steps up into this and basically says, Yes, I want to show kindness to my mother-in-law, and I want to be connected with you. I connect with you, and I will not leave you. It's like, my life is going to become your life. Not in an unhealthy way, but in a very healthy way. Like, we are going to join together and find good things together in the Lord. We're going to join together and make God's future together. And so they go back to Israel. They move back, okay, and they kind of settle in. And it's, it's, um, there's, there's some just interesting things that go on. And so, and so after a while, Naomi's starting to think through because she's going, okay, how, how, how do we have Ruth now? How do we carry on the family name? Because Ruth's not married. I'm not married. And so. How does this work? Because the family name was massive back then, way probably way more than it is today, right? We kind of operate separate in our families in a way today, much more than they did back then. It's like you needed to carry on your family name. And so basically Naomi sends Ruth To gather food because this was something that the the widows or young women would do after the folks that would go through harvesting in the fields they would come through gleaning the, the whatever's left or just small parts whatever was kind of left over kind of like the geese and the the ducks do today right you see them in the field and they're they're busy picking it over so what kind of the women would do that to really care you know to really grab grab grain back then and so Naomi sends Ruth to Boaz, who's kind of in their family, he's in their kin, and so they're going in there, and, and basically Boaz is very good to them, and so Boaz talks in Ruth too, he, he basically says, this is why I'm basically favoring you, even among the women, with giving you food and letting you have extra out of the gleaning. So Boaz replied, I've been told what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Boaz is saying, you know, I I see what you've done. You have come here wanting good things, even leaving all the family you've known and and you're, you're growing up. And he says, may you continue to find favor. I'm going to show you favor because I want to see that the Lord is showing you favor. I want to join with the Lord in showing you favor. And so may he show you great favor because you've come under his wings. And Ruth says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. She said, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. So this incredible the kindness of Boaz is beautiful, and yet Ruth is not presuming on it. Right? She's saying, thank you so much for your kindness, even though I don't have the standing of your servants. In other words, you say many good things about me, but I'm not going to try to take advantage of your kindness. But I thank you for it genuinely. I, I, I thank you for it. Even though I don't have the standing, I, I thank you for it. And so you start seeing some of the character, you know, the character of Ruth here, right? Which is what Boaz liked, right? It's like when people have good character, it's like we want to do kindnesses to them. We want to benefit them. Now, again, God spreads his kindness to everybody, but he's especially generous to those that that reflect his character. Not because he's manipulative, but because he wants to encourage generosity and kindness and love and care and truth. He wants to encourage those things, and so since he is that, he encourages and blesses and shows kindness to those that reflect that same. The people that operate like we want to, that operate out of his presence, and so we are able to be generous in good ways, and kind, and caring, and good, because he is good to us in the center, we then are able to give to other people and be generous and care, and so it all flows from him in the end, like everything, but it's like his, his generosity comes through where, where we are aware of his presence, aware of his power, and then we're able to step into those good things. And then what happens is, is very romantic, right? I mean, ladies, I don't know if any of you, uh, you know, went, went through this process, but, but um, Naomi basically says to Ruth, after a while, he said, he says, we need to find a husband for you. Okay. So, um, what did, did anybody here have their parents, um, choose their, their mate for them? <laughs> I mean, in Africa, there probably would be so many hands that would go up. Right. I mean, I, I knew some folks from Kenya and they said it's, I think they said it's about half and half now. And it probably depends on whether they're kind of more, a little more westernized in the cities versus rural in the country. But I mean, I knew this couple in, and he said, yeah, my, my dad had had several wives. I mean, it's so it's 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 just it's the different cultures, right? And so back in that day, you know, with the more emphasis on family, it's like the parents would basically, I don't want to say select, but they would they would make a proposal to the to the bride's family, and then they would decide whether they would agree or not agree. And so basically it was kind of like the family decision about being married. And again, we you know there's some benefits to this, right? I mean, your parents know you pretty well, and they have a pretty good idea of a person that's going to compliment you well and and be in good places and yet it can also go wrong at the same time right It can also go but in the same way, our romantic ways of marriage can go right and wrong too, right so it's like you know what we we have all sorts of ways as a culture to sin we have all sorts of ways to do good things as well even in different ways that we do things. This one is really cool because. Naomi said, okay, go to the threshing floor, when Boaz is there, when he's threshing his his grain, see where he lays down, and go in the middle of the night, dress up, put your perfume on, become attractive, go uncover his feet, and then do what he tells you to do. And so Ruth does that. She goes out after everything's dark, making sure nobody sees her, and she uncovers his feet. So it says something startled him in the night, and he woke up and found a woman lying there, and he then talked, and she basically said, you know, and, and I think this, this probably was something that was well known as the invitation to cover, you know, that, that she was requesting you know, him to cover her. Um, and, so, and so basically he says, you know, there's someone closer, but if not, I will protect you. I will cover you. There's someone closer that has more of a right to carry on the family, but, I, I, but if not, I will do it. So, Ruth 3. The Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. And so he's, again, going back and saying, and he obviously was older than her, right? Because he talks about her running after, not running after younger men. But, but he's been watching her. And so he says, even though I'm older, and again, they married, typically women would be younger back then, so that was a little less of a thing than for us. But he basically says, there's someone closer, but I, I, I so respect and love your character. Yes, I want to step in and show you kindness if that person that's closer is not doesn't want to do it or is not able to do it. And so, so what, what a powerful thing here, right? It's like Ruth's kindness to her mother Naomi now leads to Boaz's kindness to Ruth. And in all this, God is doing incredible things. And so that exactly happens. It's like Boaz goes to the the town council, which is the gate, so and calls ten of the ten of the elders together and says, you know, um, Naomi is selling the property that belonged to her husband, and it and and this person, you know, he was the other person was there. This person has has more of a right to it than me, Um, and the guy says, yes, I'm I'm going to buy that property. But he said, but Boaz says, but with it comes the, the the widow, with it comes. Marriage to Ruth, and the guy says, "I can't do that because it might endanger my estate." Now, we, we're not sure if that's a money thing or if that's that he was still trying to have a son with his with, a, with his own wife, and so he he wanted to preserve his energy for that that situation. You know, we don't quite know exactly, but he says, "I can't do it. I'm not I'm not going to do it. So you do it." And so basically, they exchange the exchange the legal niceties. And so Boaz marries Ruth, and, so, and, and actually they're in the ancestry then of King David, right, and then of course Jesus by extension. So, so this is one of those incredible stories of kindness, goodness, love, of honor, of noble character, right? All these things roll together in the story of Ruth, and it's just this, this really poignant, just really moving story and, and history and truth right, um, this, this, really, um, this, this really powerful thing that keeps families together, it keeps, keeps commitment going, it keeps um, honoring God in, in, in decisions, even in di- very difficult situations. It, it really shows us how to walk with God and honor God in great ways in that way. So, so this is one of the incredible ways that we see kindness you know, demonstrated In the scriptures in the Old Testament as we talk about it. So we'll also talk a little bit about goodness. So goodness, the definition of goodness is like moral excellence. So it's a person of good character, a person that is is trying to be good and working at that. Virtue, right? Kind of an old word now. We don't hear that a whole lot in the modern society, in modern culture. And you know what? We're probably the less for it, um, because you know, calling on people and talking about virtue, talking about honor, good character—this, these are things that that call people forward into good places. And when the culture loses that and chooses not to go there, we're all we're all lessened by that. We're all lessened because, you know, God wants the good character, He wants the virtue, He wants the good things to happen for us, not just not just. You know, it, it, it's not just a small thing either. You know, when, when we're virtuous, it rubs off on other people. They they see that. They begin to become comfortable with that. They then they then start thinking about higher things, the Lord, things that are supernatural, things that are that are great, that are that are bigger than just living life. And it's like God. Then God's His presence then begins begins to seep into all sorts of different things. And so there's all sorts of different ways that when we're of good character and we're following God, that that settles out to other people and really percolates you know, into, into great places. So the other defin- one of the other definitions of goodness is the nutritious, flavorful, or beneficial part of something. So it's kind of like the goodness of something is its essence that's good, right? The essence of, of something that's really good, that, 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 that just defines what that is, and yet you know, is, is really the beneficial part of it. You know, eating fruit, or you know, whatever, whatever it is. So, one of the things that's kind of interesting is is that um, we talk about goodness. The you know the Bible the Bible kind of defines it. Uh, you know, to love God with everything we have, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, these are these are powerful things. What happens in the culture is, is, that, is that oftentimes the culture and where we live tries to define what is good, and we see it. We see it now across the media. We see all sorts of things called good now. You know the, all the transgender things that are going on. You know all the gay marriage types of things, and you know just so many different things. You know kind of this 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 attitude of I'm going to live my life. The way I want to, regardless of what anyone else thinks. That's, it's kind of, it kind of permeates our culture nowadays. No one else really has the right to tell me what to do. All these things kind of permeate our culture. And so, you know, we are called as, as believers to be truly good. To be truly good. Not just to be good by what the culture defines as good. But to be truly good with God's power and His presence in the center, and so a lot of these things that the culture talks about, you know, are basically false goods. Now, maybe some people intend good from them or in them, and maybe there are certain situations where where you know, uh, how do I want to say, we, we understand the challenges that people face that are in difficult situations. We understand that and yet The culture is kind of going really hard into valuing kind of a a made up, surgically enhanced or altered reality. And you know what? That's not where God wants to go. Now, very occasionally, some things may be needed, but but you know what? God (laughs) wants to deal. God created the physical reality that we have because that's beneficial for us. And when we bring in being in his presence in that, he's enhancing that and calling us back to that. It's kind of like a lot of the transgender stuff, you know, it's like a lot of young people have, you know, gender, they call it gender dysphoria, that's kind of the term. And so, you know, it's a lot of the, the some of the medical people, especially when they want to make money off it, are say, well, let's, let's go ahead and fix that by mutilating, cutting off parts of, of young people so they feel better about themselves. Well, first of all, are they really going to feel better about themselves? Is, is cutting off that part going to really do the job? No, probably not. And over time, it's like usually kids grow out of these things, right? I mean, that's this is what happens in puberty and adolescence. It's like they're trying to figure out who they are. There's a lot of hormones going on. There's a lot of things happening. It's like let's not cut off healthy parts, you know, because because a young person is is going through adolescence. I mean, that's kind of the nature of adolescence. Is that there we're stirred up and a lot of things are going on and we're confused about. What's what's true, what's right, and it's like, so let's not, you know, let's not go into that place of, of making these massive medical surgical things based on how a 13-year-old feels. But that's what society's doing. And of course there's all sorts of other things, but essentially they they're 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 undermining the image of God in people when they when they do that. When they go for these massive interventions. In, in, in usually healthy situations, it's like it's usually attacking the image of God. And so that's why we generally stand against these things, because it's like we, we know God created nature to benefit us, and if we, we operate with the sense of Jesus Christ and in his presence in the Scripture, it's like these things work themselves out over time, and things come into wholeness. They come into wholeness, see, in this fractured world. And so we don't have to go off and do all these massive interventions. To try to, to try to fix something because, A, often the perception of the people that think there's a problem is, is awry, and B, it's like over time God tends to work these things out. God tends to bring freedom and resolution, and so we are called to be truly good, back to goodness. We're, tried, we're called to be truly good, not simply by how the society defines it, or pagans define it, or seculars define it, right? We're, but we're called to be truly good, and so that involves walking you know with jesus and and trying to hear his heart to hear his discernment you know talking with other people about difficult situations that are believers, trying to discern together what God is doing and saying, understanding his heart and and building communities so that so that we're talking about the difficult things and able to address them with wisdom with love and care and generosity and love but but with wisdom as well and so True goodness involves true wisdom as well. It's not just simply doing what someone thinks you should do for them or just being, 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 um, facilitating what they would like to have happen. And so we just need to be aware of that. Um, but, but you know, we all deal with these things every day, right? We think this through. You know, as we hit difficult situations, we're thinking about it. Who should I talk to about this? Who would, who would give good thoughts and advice or, or comments on this? Who, who would, who, would who do I think would have the good voice of the Lord and be a good person to share with and, and ask questions on this? And so all these things that come up that are very difficult. It's like it's like we just we call on each other and we, we get together maybe privately if it's some a family matter or a matter that needs discretion and, and privacy and quiet, we keep it, we th- keep things quiet, but we talk to the people that are needed to try to build a team to love and care, to bring true goodness into the situation as best we can. As best we can. The other person has a choice how they're going to respond, but for my part, I can offer. I can offer what's needed and what's helpful. And so this is this is really cool. So we are trying to be good with a heavenly eye. That's kind of the kind of the focus of where I'm going. So that's what we that's what we want to do. We want to be good with a heavenly eye. And so I am brought a scripture here, Luke 17, if you're able to pop to that one. So Jesus, this is kind of a story about Jesus. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And so Jesus is kind of saying here, it's like, there is no formal human institution. There's no, there's no place or marker on this earth physically that where the kingdom of God is, and outside it is not the kingdom. This is not like earthly kingdoms where the, the boundary goes to this point, and then the next government or next country starts after that, right? It's not that way. The kingdom of God is within you. It's like it's a spiritual thing within our hearts. It's a spiritual thing which transcends the physical boundaries. But so, by it, he's saying it's like we don't judge ourselves by human ways of looking at life. We're always trying to go back to the kingdom of God, the presence of the Most High, and from that, then defining what goodness looks like and how we operate. And so, so it's a vital thing every day. It's like in every situation, God, what does love look like to this person? What would be the good thing for me to do for them right here and now in the situation they're in today and in the situation I'm in today? What's, what's that helpful, good, beneficial thing? And so this is, this is the, a powerful thing. This is a powerful thing because it starts shifting everything for us, right? When we're not simply looking at what is going on in the world or in my life and, and the situation of people around me, when we're really focusing in on the heart of God and his presence, it's right, this begins to shift everything. Because no longer am I limited by the resources that I have or my abilities or my wisdom, but it's like we have the generosity of the Lord coming in in the, in the bottom. We have the generosity of the lord coming in in ways that we don't even understand and so in those places then his generosity his goodness you know basically inspire us and give us confidence to reflect that same goodness and kindness out from our our life and our heart and so and so we don't we don't have to live in fear we don't have to live in like a um, a lack lack mentality we don't have to live you know it's like God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, so it's like, okay, the Lord, can you can you slaughter this cow for me today? <laughs> can you provide food for me on this day, right? <laughs> can you provide what's needed on this day and going forward? Um, and that's and that's not it's it's love, it's care, it's being having things to do that are important, having good good relationships with people, you know, it's 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 all the good things that He wants to bring. And so when we're, we're, we're living in that, that heavenly mentality, it it shifts and it it, it shifts us from just evaluating things by, by how they're going in the world. It, It shifts us to say, okay, Lord, where's the kingdom of heaven in this situation? What are you doing here? That's bigger than me and bigger than everything around me. And how can I join your flow of generosity and goodness and mercy? how can i do that and how can i sense your presence and your love and your intimacy with me in this place please be please love me please care for me please love my heart please love me lord thank you for loving me thank you let me be generous like you let me let me catch your spirit of generosity and care and love and blessing and so so as we do that and 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 you guys do i know you do i mean it's like it's like you know it's <laughs> People say, you know, when they walk in this church building, they, they, they feel the presence of God here. And, you know, all of you wouldn't be sticking around and going to church here unless you really wanted that. And you really love that, right? Because it's, it's, it, that's just kind of how it is. It's like people that don't really want God, you know, when, when they experience the presence of God, they're either really attracted to him like, oh, I, I made a total mistake. I really need to go towards God, right? Or they reject away. And they, they back out and run away because they don't want to have a God over their life. They want to do things their own way, right? And, and they kind of, you know, they, when they, they sense the presence of God, they kind of bounce one way or the other way. Now, there's a few in the middle, but generally people bounce one way or the other way, right? And, and you are here today, and we're here today, and we love God, and we bless God. And so we are all doing this already. And so this is just simply just a, a quick reminder today. Of us And just an invitation to the Lord to put more and more power into us and more and more blessing into us for the goodness and the kindness and the things that, that, that the fruit to show the fruit in us so that we can reflect God to the people around us. There's also just another verse kind of along that same line. And I, I think, I think I've kind of made the point, but let's just go ahead and do it because I find this one so fascinating. It's in Hebrews. This Melchizedek, it's verse 7, I forget which chapter it was, Uh, 7, 1 through 3. No, you're right, You you had it before there, that was good. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness, then also... King of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. And so here's this kind of mysterious person. And again, they're talking about Abraham back in the Old Testament age. This is now in the New, looking back. Here's this mysterious person. And they're basically saying without father, without mother, without genealogy. In other words, he's not, he's not in the human, he's not in the human framework, right? He's beyond the human framework. He's in the supernatural framework. And so, and, and Abraham gave him a tenth, meaning that Abraham saw him and understood that the presence of God was so much with Melchizedek that Abraham had to tithe to him. So Abraham who was the father of the faith father of nations, the giant of the faith, understood in his in Melchizedek's presence that he needed to tithe to him. Right? And so this is the power of God coming in. And just another, just another reminder that you know, though we have to live in the world and do our jobs and take care of people and be our families and get cook food and you know clean the house and do all the things we need to do, take vacations and all sorts of things. It's like there's always that supernatural element. There's always the supernatural in and and around and beyond what we're doing. And so we're not limited by just the human perceptions on things. We're not limited by that at all. But it's like God is always able to pop in and do the great things that he wants to do. And when we're generous and kind, when we're doing these things, and the fruit of the Spirit is flowing through us, it's like you never know what the results are going to be. You never know what good results are, are happening even if we don't see them it's like those results may be popping up down the river and we don't even we don't even see them at all but in other people's lives it may be a massive massive thing maybe a huge thing and so and so it's just it's a reminder you know sometimes you just get those mysterious places in the in the Bible and it's like you know you just kind of sense the sense the the power of the supernatural coming in and and, and I just wanted to remind us of that today. It's like the power of Jesus is never limited by our human abilities, never limited by how we perceive things today. Now, we usually operate that way, and he usually, that's usually how he does it. But there's always those times when he steps in, and there's miracles, there's, there's, there's things that happen that are way bigger than normal, even if we don't understand them, even if we're just operating in the normal framework. But yet he's operating in his supernatural framework to bring everything into conformity with where he wants it to go in the end in this world. So it's a powerful thing and we are we are very blessed, we are very blessed to be in this day and age, right? We're seeing so many things in society and cultures going wrong. It just seems like the demonic is so impacting things now. There's so many things that are happening that are just, So destructive to people, so destructive to goodness, so destructive to truth, so destructive to healthy living, so many things. All the mandates, you know. And again, you can argue, you know, the vaccines and good or not, but there's so many things that go on that are just that are just going awry now, Um, and uh, it's so so. You know, I feel hard pressed some days, right? I feel. I feel I feel like like it's it's really things go downhill, frankly. And it's it's painful. It's painful. Because you know what? You, You know, you understand people are being hurt and damaged by these things, right? People are being damaged and hurt. And yet, and yet, God's sovereignty is coming even in this. And it's if God is permitting these things, it's for a reason. And you know. It seems to me like this world is going to, going to be, be convulsed by rebellion against God, like Revelation time. It seems like the, the, the general theme is that the world is going to rebel against God. The elites of the world are going to rebel, like they have been since, since the fall, since the jump. It's not really a fall. It was a jump. They jumped. It wasn't a fall. Okay? But the elites have been doing this, and, and the anti-God have been doing this, so so this this is normal in a sense, but it seems like that's going to crescendo into a more concerted attack on God, in Revelation, especially assisted by technology, and we're starting to see that happen now. Technology is a great thing, but it also can be it can be a prison, it can be a prison, and we're starting to see that. But it's our opportunity to be alive at this point. God is, God has permitted us to be alive. He's entrusted with us you know loving and being kind and good and being truly good to people and 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 extending his heart his kingdom and his blessing to those around us because he wants to demonstrate his heart and his goodness through us to other people and so that's our opportunity and so since he wants us to do that right he's going to let his love Christ's love burst through us and he's going to he's going to energize us with his kingdom power and love and care So that we're able to show kindness and goodness so that we can overcome for us personally the challenges that occur. We're going to be able to overcome. We're going to be able to go through. We're going to be able to persevere and win and succeed through these. God never never loses. My idea may lose, but you know what? He's always got a, a better idea. I just need to figure out how to get in tune with that. I need to get in line with that, right? So since we're energized by the kingdom of God, we can overcome with his goodness and kindness. We can get into that place of being tight with him and blessed with him and honored with him so that his presence is richly within us and that we're able to really transfuse that to other people, able to transmit it. We're able to shape it, mold it, fire it, and, 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 and put it out there so that it blesses people and that they are, they are cared for by the Lord, they're cared for by us, and that even if they don't they don't get it or they don't understand they don't agree, they understand that there's a force here that's way bigger than people. It's it's Jesus Christ living through us and operating through us in kindness and goodness. And so this is the the great thing. Twilight, if you want to come on up, I'm getting ready. So this is the awesome thing. So let me just pray for us on this as as we conclude. Father, thank you for your your incredible plan. Thank you that you created. Mankind, uh, throughout, through history, you, you created us as a race. Thank you for the incredible richness that you have have built into us. Thank you for the incredible, um, uh, just, just the, the complexity of who you've made us to be, that you've made us only a little lower uh, than you. In, in many ways, Father, our choices and decisions about you make us higher than angels. And one day we will judge angels, Lord, when we're perfected with you one day. And Father, call us into that, call us now, even today, call each of us, elevate us into that understanding of ourselves, Lord. Elevate us into knowing and understanding that we are complex and and down here conflicted, and yet we are noble and powerful and full of character, and we have the chance to impact people and kingdoms, and we have the impact to to, to impact counties and cities for you and, and, and families for you. Father, give us a huge vision of success in moving forward in demonstrating your heart and your presence in kindness and goodness to many. Father, help us step into that. Help us see your confidence, step into it, and move forward in it. Because you are the glorious one. You are the high one. You are the beautiful one. You are the kind, generous, good, freeing one. And so we are so grateful we are so grateful that you've called us in to join with you in your kingdom, that you call with us to join with you in these high and noble ambitions, that you call with us to have big dreams in the kingdom with you, and that you make those things happen because you are the good and glorious God. And, and you're, you love to share your reputation with us, Lord. You love to share your reputation with us. Even though we're, we're frail and, and all sorts of things go on, Lord, yet you still love us and you are so generous, and you love to share your reputation and your goodness and your power and character with us. So I ask you, Lord, to anoint, to touch each of us today. Father, touch us on the head. Impart a new power of your spirit on us today. Lord, impart more and more clarity of of thought and more and more powerful intention of our hearts and our spirits to walk forward with you and reflect your heart in this world. We are so grateful, Lord. We are so, so grateful because you are the great one, Lord, and we thank you for letting us join you in your kingdom and your power and your mercy. We just honor and bless you today in Jesus' name.
0: If you'd like to stand up, you're welcome. This is Pastor Todd again. Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray the Lord uses it to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of the Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Once again, that is tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site, so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the TGP podcast. God bless you, and have a great week.